Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 14th episode, the Fernando Alonso episode of the podcast, and I'm here after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It lined up perfectly, to be honest, uh, that the 14th episode of Break Bias was on the weekend. Fernando Alonso broke the record for the longest ever F1 career. Alonso had a pretty strong weekend as well, uh, not quite as good as finishing ahead of both Mercedes as I boldly predicted, but good nonetheless. Uh, we have a bonus episode coming on Wednesday with TSN's Tim Horaney, so even though it's race week in Canada, we will talk a little bit more Montreal on that episode. So, let's get into the race in Baku. It's lights out and away we go! 2022 didn't really live up to the ridiculous standards of past races in Baku. But it wasn't bad. I feel we were robbed a bit of a close fight up front after two unfortunate retirements. But this race had its moments. Uh, The story of the weekend, in my opinion, was the bouncing down the pit straight. Every car was dealing with it to an extent. Uh, I think Daniel Ricciardo said after the race that this weekend was the first time he had the bad uh, bad bouncing and that he felt bad for those who have been dealing with it all season, uh, including Lewis Hamilton, who struggled to get out of his W13 at the end of the race that his team principal, Total Wolf, labeled a shitbox uh, after the checkered flag. Um, and I think this kind of brings up the conversation of the new regulations again. Um, I've asked a few friends of mine, you know, now that we've seen eight rounds of this, what do you guys think, um, of these new cars still? Because of course in Bahrain, everyone was raving about it and it looked like these new generation of cars were going to be, um, well, amazing. That Bahrain Grand Prix was honestly still the best race of the year, in my opinion. I know I've mentioned it on this podcast a few times already, just in hindsight, how good that race was. Um, And at the end of the day, the new regs were made so that the cars could follow closer, get a little racier. And I think they have done that. So considering we're still in early days and they've already achieved their goal, I think that the new regs are still good. And like I said, it is still early days. So there is tons of time to fix these porpoising issues. But I just think it's something that I just wanted to mention because, you know, drivers and teams are starting to get a little bit more vocal about the porpoising and that it's bad. I know Signs pretty early on said that he was kind of worried about the, his health. Um, and now we see Lewis Hamilton, who has struggled pretty bad. Um, this was a bit of an extreme weekend. Um, the long straight in Baku, I think, just made it really, really hard for everyone. And that's why it's become such a big talking point again. But I just wanted to quickly, you know, break down the new regulations a little bit. Well, not so much break down, but just give a little bit of my opinion and kind of where I see things. So I just I still think it's early. And hopefully um, the porpoising can get sorted out sooner rather than later. Because I do think it affects the products. Like not only is it affecting obviously the teams and the drivers, but it's affecting the product um, that F1's putting out there for the fans. So I'm I'm hoping that that gets sorted out soon. Because personally, as a fan, I don't want to see the cars bouncing and like as extreme as they were down the Baku pit straight. So yeah, hopefully hopefully the the teams get that sorted out soon. But it is a competition. And I don't think it's fair for the teams that have figured out uh, the porpoising issue to just, I don't know, change the rules so we don't have to deal with it anymore, right? So anyway, 
On to quality in Baku. Uh, the end of Q1 was insane. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, back in Monza 2019, I believe. It was, a, it was a completely different scenario, but the teams were so fixated on getting a tow, they all waited to the last second, and then they were all racing out. Um, this was the Q3, though. That was what made Monza 2019 even crazier. But basically, they were like racing and qualifying, and a bunch of cars didn't even make the flag because they were waiting to the last minute to try to get the tow. In this case, it was just Lance Stroll brought out a, a late red flag, but the teams, or sorry, the drivers had enough time to get out for another lap, but it was tight, and they didn't want to be like basically. I, I think people were a little bit worried about. Um, another yellow flag costing their lap, which did happen for a couple people when Alonso went off. But anyway, it was insane just because the cars were basically racing um, in qualifying session, which is always just a wild prospect. Um, so I, if you haven't seen Q1, usually um, Q1 is probably the least entertaining of the qualifying. It kind of ramps up as you go. You want to see you get some pull. But Q1, the end of it was crazy, and I, I love seeing – so those scenarios when it happens, sure, it, it can get a little dangerous, but it was wild. And I, I kind of knew when I was watching, I'm like, there's no way these drivers that are that tight to each other and qualifying are going to improve on their laps. But, hey, you got to give it a shot, right? Anyway, in Q2, uh, Zhou Guan Yu out-qualified Bottas, who was dealing with a braking issue the whole weekend, uh, which put him significantly off the pace. But this is notable as Carlos Sainz is now the only driver not to out-qualify his teammate this season. Um, I have a few more stats regarding Sainz's teammate uh, that I'll, I'll share in a moment. Um, but Zhou Guan Yu was actually really quick in Q1, and I was surprised to see um, how poor the Alpha's pace was in Q2. So they were both out, um, and so were both McLaren's uh, and Esteban Ocon. They were together in the elimination zone in Q2. And then in Q3, there was a four-way fight for pole uh, between the usual suspects, uh, both Ferrari and Red Bull drivers. Um, and it was it was super close. It looked like anyone could have got it. Uh, Sainz was on provisional pole. But on the final runs, it was Charles Leclerc, again, who put the lap together to take pole ahead of Perez, Verstappen, and then Sainz. Like I said, Sainz was leading after the first laps, but had a scrappy final lap while the other three were all able to improve, so Sainz fell down to fourth. So unfortunate. I was really hoping for a Sainz pull. I feel like I feel like the like honestly, like maybe besides Red Bull fans, but like everyone is pulling for Sainz. We all want to see him get on a uh, pole position. We all want to see him get his first win, and it just it hasn't happened yet. But I really do feel like it will come this season. It might only be once in 22 races, or I think it's 22 races, um, but I don't care. I, I really just want to see it once, and I think Mercedes is a little too far off right now, but I really just want to see George Russell uh, pull off those same things um, as signs. I If we could see it this year, that would be fantastic, but... The pace of the, the Red Bulls and the Ferraris right now are just so clear of everyone else. I'm not sure we're going to get an Esteban Ocon type win like in Hungary or um, a Ricardo win in Monza. I'm not sure we're going to get that this year. We would definitely need a Hungary-esque start to the race where all the top cars get taken out. I feel like that would be the only way. Um, 
but yeah, I, I really think Signs is is going to have that moment this year, but it'll be impossible to predict when. Perez, Verstappen, and Leclerc have really been on it this season. Anyway, uh, that's Leclerc's sixth pole position of the season. Uh, he now has more pole positions than last year's world champion, Max Verstappen. Um, in, in their careers, Charles Leclerc has more pole positions than Max Verstappen. And that's that might sound crazy, but I have some even crazier stats that I want to share with you. But I'm going to wait and I'm going to break down this race real quick first. Uh, so at the start, both Red Bulls got a great jump off the line. Prez took the lead into turn one past Leclerc. And Max, if there was a longer run to turn one in Baku, because it's, it's a really short run, um, Max probably would have cleared him too, but he got boxed in by uh, Leclerc and Perez. Um, and he actually was almost vul- vulnerable to signs at the start, but he was able to hold on to P3. Um, but... Honestly, a few laps later, Sainz was already starting to fall back a little bit. It was kind of a three-way fight at the front. And while the camera, or at least for the broadcast I was watching, the camera was off of the front fight, and it goes back, and Sainz is in the escape road. He's done. Um, It was a hydraulics issue. I think it was on lap 9 or lap 10. And just like that, one Ferrari's already out of the fight at the top, Um, which was... That one was unfortunate, but uh, at least Charles was in there. It's going to make for an interesting fight. Uh, he actually decided to pit under the VSC, which kind of gave the race an interesting dynamic. Um, but not long after that, uh, it was after the Red Bulls had decided to, they both stayed out. Then they decided to pit later. Leclerc at this point was in the lead, and then his engine blew, and it was the definitely more unfortunate of the retirements because it just kind of took out the interesting dynamic of the race. Like I said at the start, it, I think it kind of robbed the fans of what could have been a dramatic race at the front. And it seems like we haven't had that in a while. I mean, thinking back, Imola was kind of Red Bull dominant. Australia was Leclerc dominant. Uh, we had Jeddah and Bahrain, which were fantastic. Miami was Red Bull dominant. Spain was Ferrari dominant until they retired. We haven't really seen Leclerc and Max go at it for a few races now. At least it feels that way, unless I'm forgetting a race. I guess Monaco, but Monaco, there's really no real overtaking. That was just a pure strategy uh, battle that Ferrari completely blew. Um, So hopefully in Canada, we get some more on-track fighting between the top teams because I think that's what everyone wants to see. And this engine blowout really just gifted Red Bull an easy one-two again. Um, but I didn't say who was the better bull. So it was evident after only a few laps, Checo pulled out a gap a little bit at the start, but after that, it was really all Max Verstappen. He was the quicker of the two. When he closed up onto the back of Perez, Checo was actually given a no fighting instruction, which essentially just ended the race for the top two. The, the broadcast was basically on Lewis Hamilton's uh, charge through the fields uh, for the rest of the race because up front it just really the, the entertainment value was just completely gone at that point. Um, Checo mentioned after the race that uh, there was a lot he didn't really understand and he said to George Russell uh, in the cooldown room that he had massive dag, meaning tire degradation. So he just, on the mediums, Max was quicker, and it seemed like even on the hards, Max was, he was 
maybe a little bit less of a gap, but he was quicker there too. Max went on to win by, I think, 20 seconds, and Perez was 20 seconds out of Russell. Um, so I guess I just revealed who was on the podium, George Russell again. So I guess let's just run through the points finishes now since I'm already getting into it. Verstappen P1, Perez P2, making it the third Red Bull 1-2 of the young season. P3, Mr. Consistency, George Russell, who had quite a lonely race uh, from the beginning to the end. Nobody could really keep up with him, but he was far off of the pace of the Red Bulls and Ferraris. Hamilton was P4 with driver of the day after being down in P11 at one point. Uh, and dealing with back pains that he complained about on the radio. Uh, Gasly P5, uh, that's his best result of the season, and he was so close to P4, uh, but just couldn't hold off Lewis at the end. Vettel was P6, and he honestly could have had an even better result had he not uh, locked up at the end of turn three, trying to overtake Ocon. He had to spin his car in the escape road, which honestly was a really impressive spin, considering the walls are all right there. And he was able to get his car around quick. He actually lost minimal time, but still, it, it cost him track position, and he could have had a he could have had a better race had that not happened to him. Uh, Alonso P7 for the second race running. Like I said, pretty solid race from him. Um, he's had a nice little run since uh, his kind of unlucky start to the season. Uh, Ricardo P8, uh, much better performance than his teammate, um, or better, much better than what. Ricardo had been doing in the past, and I think a marginally better performance than his teammate, which is a big win for Ricardo, considering what we were talking about last episode, if you remember. Lando Norris was in P9, and uh, Ocon rounded out the points in P10. Max Verstappen remains atop the Drivers' Championship, but he now leads his teammate by 21 points. Charles Leclerc, who had a massive head start in the championship, now sits in P3, 34 points behind Max. Russell extended his advantage over Sainz for P4 to 16 points, but he is quite a ways off the top three. Then it drops off to Hamilton, who is 21 points down on Sainz. Lando Norris is P7 with exactly 50 points on the season, and Bottas is in P8 with exactly 40 points. Then it's Ocon in P9, 9 points down on Bottas, and we have a new member of the top 10 in Pierre Gasly, who arrives with 16 points. Although, Fernando Alonso, I think, is tied with him anyway, but in, in on F1.com, the top 10, they have Gasly 10th, so I guess. But they both have one more point than Magnussen, who held that spot in the top 10 for almost for quite a few races now. Um, in the Constructors, Red Bull now holds a massive 80-point lead over Ferrari uh, after a maximum point weekend for the Milton Keynes-based team. Mercedes picked up solid points to close up on Ferrari, only 38 points back of P2. Uh, McLaren is 96 points behind Mercedes in P4 with a surging Alpine team hot on their tail. If they can stay reliable, Alpine might have a really good shot at P4 because McLaren is just so inconsistent. Um, but anyway, Alfa Romeo, they were in uh, P5 until, of course, Alpine uh, passed them in the championship with the double points finish. Uh, so Alfa Romeo, or, yeah, Alfa Romeo is back in P6. Sorry, uh, Alfa Tari took a, ten, took a big haul of points with 10 points from Pierre Gasly to distance themselves in the battle for, uh, from the battle for P8. So they're kind of in a comfortable P7 right now. P8 is tied between Haas and Aston Martin. 
those two teams both have 15 points. And then finally, it's Williams in P10 with three points. So remember those Leclerc stats that I was talking about. So you'll want to hear this. After securing pole and failing to win the race again, Leclerc now has the worst conversion rate of pole positions to wins in F1 history. Not only that, but Max Verstappen has more wins with Leclerc on pole than Leclerc has wins with Leclerc on pole. That is shocking. And if that is not a summary of this season so far, I don't know what is. Now, it's time for my prize, demise, and surprise. Now, my prize might be a surprise because I'm going with Daniel Ricciardo. Um, based on what I was talking about last episode, I t- when I talked about Silly Season, uh, I talked about his seat and that, you know, he's he's got to pick it up. And I think that's exactly what he did this weekend. McLaren was kind of, they had an interesting... It was kind of the entertaining end of the race uh, for the fans because they had a bit of team orders drama. Uh, The hard tire, well, they did kind of opposite strategies. Daniel started on the hard, um, then went to the medium, and Lando did uh, the opposite. And the hard tire worked better for both drivers, and they both had better pace when they were on that hard tire. Um, But in my opinion, Daniel had the better race. He started from further back, um, I think by one position, maybe two positions. I can't remember if Ocon... Um, started in between them or not but the only reason that Lando was so close to Daniel at the end and probably could have passed him was because of the team orders on the first stint that held Daniel back from attacking or they didn't want Lando to slow down to let him through because they wanted to make sure that he got out in front of Alonso which I don't think worked out in the end considering Alonso was p7 and Lando was p9 but um yeah, I think Daniel had the better pace overall, like marginally, but a marginal uh, pace advantage for Daniel is a win at this point because, like I said last week, there wasn't many points at all that Daniel looked like the better driver between the two of them. So he's got to take these small victories, and I think Lando had a very pedestrian weekend. I think he's better than what he was able to produce this weekend. Who knows what... um that reason was I actually predicted I mean I predicted a chaotic Grand Prix with Verstappen and Leclerc both not scoring Uh, so I had Lando on my podium because of that but still to have a podium even with them not there that's a pretty pretty strong race so Lando was nowhere near what I thought he'd be able to do Um, but anyway I just wanted to shout out Daniel Ricciardo for having a pretty solid weekend Um, and I think he's made a step forward. Hopefully he can continue that momentum into the Canadian Grand Prix, the place that he took his first win in F1. Hopefully this um, weekend that hasn't been around for a while will keep Daniel motivated and energized, and he'll be able to continue the momentum because I think we all want to see him in F1 and performing well like the Daniel of old. So congratulations, Daniel, on a pretty solid race. I know P8's not exactly what you're aiming for, but... I still think it's something to, you know, look at and be proud of. So good job, Daniel. Now the demise, uh, this has to be Ferrari again, of course. But I do want to quickly mention Guan Yu Zhou because 
He was actually having a brilliant race, uh, but had to retire once again. His team radio was honestly just, it was gutting because he was, he knew he was having a good race. And I think he said like, are you kidding me? Because he is quietly having the unluckiest season out of anyone. Uh, Sainz has been unlucky. Leclerc has been unlucky. Alonso had a very unlucky start. So did Max. Max had an unlucky start. Joe has been unlucky from start to finish. It is actually insane. I feel like for for the only rookie in F1, nobody's talking about him because every other race he's not able to finish because of something outside of his control. Like the jury is still out on Joe, and it's impossible to know if he's any good because he can't get through a race because for whatever reason, his alpha just cannot stay reliable at all. I you never know. Like I don't think it's anything to do with Joe, but who knows? It is it is getting crazy at this point that Joe just cannot make it through a race, whether he's performing well or not. Something is always happening to him, so that it is ridiculous. But no one no one can beat Ferrari to the demise this week. Um it's just I don't even know what to say anymore, and I don't think there's really much justifying I have to do for Ferrari to be the demise. I mean, a double DNF, they probably have grid penalties in store very soon because they just lost another engine uh, from Leclerc. Leclerc's through like all his turbochargers or something. Maybe there's one left from an old engine. I'm not sure. There's a massive gap to Red Bull now. Their Mercedes is closer to Ferrari than Ferrari is to Red Bull at this point, and Mercedes is reliable but way off the pace of those two teams. So, yeah, Red Bull or sorry, Ferrari has really thrown away points in the last what four or five races now. It's it's getting to a point that Ferrari really needs to sort their stuff out. So yeah, I don't I don't need to justify this one any further. I don't think I'll just move on to the surprise. And that is the pace of the AlphaTauri this weekend. Um, Gazi was very quick in Monaco as well, but was a bit unlucky to qualify so low. But he was on fire this weekend as well, as was Yuki Sonoda, until he had bad luck with his rear wing uh, breaking when he activated the DRS. And it was still a pretty big 10 points for the Red Bull sister team. And things were honestly far from ideal. The pace they had in their car, they could have brought home even more points. Yuki lost his points finish completely with that um, bad luck. Pierre may have kept P4. Had uh, AlphaTauri had another set of tires to pick Gazi onto instead of being a sitting duck for Hamilton. Um, so, yeah, they had great pace in their car this weekend. And I have to say I was surprised. I mean, double appearance in Q3 should have been a double points finish. They were on, They were very good here, and I certainly didn't see that coming. Now, I want to talk about the championship just briefly um, and the bonus episode coming this week. So, yeah, I I don't have a whole lot to say about the championship at this point. Um, But I think Red Bull is, it's safe to say that they're stronger in all areas besides qualifying right now. Uh, They hold a massive lead. Anything can happen. Uh, there's still lots of races. Uh, it's too early to rule anyone out, but it really, really looks like to me that this is Red Bull's title to lose. Even after eight rounds, they just they look stronger. They look more like experienced, I guess. Like they just look like they've they've been here before. Where Ferrari looks like 
the inexperienced team that is like has no idea that they can fight for or how to fight for a championship it's it's getting shocking at this point um so i would be pretty surprised if ferrar was able to mount this comeback but you know i'm i'm here for it because like i said i want to see signs perform better i want to see the claire back in that fight but if not, I just really hope Red Bull allows their two um, drivers to fight each other. In this race, I actually, this is the first one that I completely understood because Max's pace was way better. And Checo even said it after the race. Um, he, he didn't really deserve to fight for it this weekend because he was far off. And like he said, there was things he didn't understand about what was going on. Um, so... I understood their decision, but hopefully they can fight in the future if they're closer, if that's what the championship comes down to, because if things keep going this way, Ferrari's not even going to finish in second. They're going to finish in third behind Mercedes because Mercedes' reliability is the silver lining of their season. Um, every single time if Red Bull DNFs or Ferrari DNFs, Mercedes is there to pick up the pieces, and they score like decent points every weekend and it's starting to add up with Ferrari throwing away so many points so yeah it's I thought it was worth mentioning that if Ferrari doesn't get their act together um, Mercedes could honestly push for second place in the constructors which is wild considering their car is nowhere near as strong as the Ferrari package um, also on a, on a completely unrelated note before I mention the bonus episode, there's actually rumors circulating about the possible return of the South African Grand Prix in 2023 at the Kailami Grand Prix circuit. Uh, F1 has not raced there in, since 1993, and I know some drivers and fans have really been pushing for the return of South African Grand Prix. They call it a global sport. There's no races in Africa, so I think that would be really cool. Um, and yeah, just before I wrap up, I've already taped the bonus episode with Tim Haraney, F1 analyst on TSN. And like I said at the beginning, that will be released on Wednesday. If you're Canadian, you're very familiar with TSN, but if you're not, it's one of the two big sports networks in Canada and, uh, the network that plays the sky sports feed for F1 races. Meaning if you don't have F1 TV in Canada, you have to watch F1 on TSN. Uh, if you don't, know or didn't listen to the last episode tim is also uh, a former racing driver who drove in the champ car toyota atlantic series formula renault fia gt championship 24 hours of daytona canadian formula ford and uh was the co-champion and rookie of the year in the ontario formula Four championship so this guy's a very experienced racer and we have an awesome conversation, so you'll definitely want to check that one out. So as I do before the end of every episode now, a quick shout to a brilliant sim racing league in Raleigh Racing. The Champions Division, which I race in, is in Brazil this week for our uh, sprint weekend on Friday. We have only three races left in the championship, and there's an epic battle going on for a prize from their sponsor, Sim Racer Coin. So if you want to check out our league, go to YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook and look up Raw League Racing to get our races with commentary or go to my Twitch channel, Be Crazy, to watch my personal streams. So that will do it for the Fernando Alonso episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back very soon with the Tim Haraney bonus episode on Wednesday, as well as episode 15 next Monday after the Canadian Grand Prix. It feels amazing to say that F1 is back in Canada. Goodbye.